Welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. Father, we look to you, we thank you that you're with us today, that your presence is here. Father, we thank you that to be in the light is to not be in darkness, and that when a darkness is exposed, that exposure isn't just to shock and awe us, to put a chemical and a water to shock it, but it's to expose that which we're never created to be. God, any identity, any uplifting of self, of ego, pride, I can grit it and do it myself. I'm a self-made man. Father, we want to be men and women of God, dependent on the same God who moved for Mary, who moved for Jacob, who moved for all the forefathers of our faith. God, we thank you for the timeless wisdom of the scriptures that sober us, that teach us not to fall into folly, but to take hold of wisdom. Father, we need you today. We yearn for you. We don't just look to you, but we pursue you. Father, if we could begin to take that which we get excited about, yes, we are believing for it. Yes, you've said it. Yes, you'll do it. Yes, your promises are yes and amen. But we can only lay hold of the promises that we go and fight for. It takes a tenacity. It takes movement. We can believe all day long, and we do. That is the beginning. Don't get me wrong. But then you got to put feet to your faith and begin to walk in it. Holy Spirit, we thank you that we're in a series on walking in the Holy Spirit. As the demonic agendas of our day have been exposed this month, we thank you for giving us a vigilant spirit, a watchful eye, an ear that can discern from right and wrong, that can be taught by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, take this sermon, this message today, let it point to Jesus. Let us be more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes us into the image, conforms us into the image of Christ. He is the bondage breaker. And as we stand in his presence, bondage has to break. Demons have to flee. That we should not be comfortable in our crud. We should not be comfortable in our mess. But we are in God's house today not to play church, not to get a feel-good message, but to get something from him that will change us. God, let us be a people that are not content with checking a box, checking in, checking out 
but we want to grab the hem of his garment. And when our faith touches him, that he feels something leave him because we want him. We yearn for him and we long for him. This is not the hour to play around, but to be committed. This is not the hour to have extra inside lovers, but to be committed fully and wholly to Christ and to his gospel, to his word, and to his ways. We will not bow down as the three Hebrew boys. We will not back down. We are more than conquerors. We thank you, Lord, that you're here. We will leave changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. You can be seated today. Welcome to all those watching online. And, of course, all of our visitors here today. Wonderful time of worship in God's presence. Were you blessed today by spending time in his presence? Thank you, team, for leading us and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit today. Well, Pride Month is over. Praise God. We can cheer for that. It's okay to cheer for that in church. We've been talking about it. If you're new here, we're going to catch you up real quick. Um, there's a lot, but it's okay. You'll be okay. Um, we've went through and we have talked and uh, pray you've appreciated the boldness and the heart that has um, went into this, um, where we don't hate people, but we hate what sin does to people. And we want to see people set free. Uh, we never want to be a church that says, come as you are and stay as you are. But come as you are, meet Christ, and leave changed. This is the normal experience of a Christian in the scriptures who met Jesus. They would leave changed. And I'm afraid today we coddle too much. We don't say what needs to be said because someone gets offended. There's a way to speak truth in love. Don't get me wrong. But tolerance is not love. And the movement today says love is love. And if you tolerate me, that's how you show me you love me. But I'm thankful that when I'm in my mess or when I get a bad diagnosis, that I don't have a doctor that just tolerates it, but there's a cure to it. And today, our world needs the cure, and his name is Jesus. He's not a Jesus that coddles you. He's not the Jesus of a gentle lamb many a times we love to, to kind of get a picture in our mind of. But we know when Jesus comes back, he's coming as a lion who's going to crack the eastern sky with fire in his eyes, with a sword on his hip, and will judge sin. And we live in the hour of mercy. We talked of last week that we don't want to mistake God's patience for God's approval. Many times when God is patient with us, thank God he is, somebody say amen, his patience toward us, is he gives us time to repent. He gives us time to get right with him. And it's in God's loving mercy that he waits for us. He woos us. He's coming after us. That he kicks down those walls. He tears down those lies in the song we all love to sing. But today I want to talk about getting to a place of, of deliverance, but not just to deliverance, but to having dominion over the very thing God has delivered you from. Anybody been delivered of something in your life? I know I have. I've been delivered of many things. 
I think about the things in my teenage years or my early uh, years uh, as a young man. I, I look at a range of things where God would begin to deal with me and, and to touch things. And we've been kind of saying this mantra of the teachings of Jesus or the touch of God sets you free, but it's the teachings of Jesus that keep you free. We're called not to just be set free, but to live free. And many people, they have this um, distorted mindset with God that I go to him just to get something, but then I'm never discipled, disciplined to live in that, to walk in it, to actually walk in victory over something. That we wanna be a church and a people that walks in victory. Victory should be the normal experience of a Christian, amen? But quite frankly, if we look at ourselves and we look at our lives, this is not the case. Now hear me in this. We are a people that are warring and fighting. We have to crucify our cravings. We have to allow the Spirit of God to touch our appetites. That in order to be delivered, it requires your partnership. It requires your work. That you partner with the Holy Spirit to let him touch and to tame and to crucify the passions, the appetites that want to lead you into sin. And as we talked of June... This pride agenda, this pride movement is something um, that should be repented of, is clearly lifestyles and um, ethics and worldviews that uh, Jesus, from the New Testament to the Old Testament, would have a lot to say about. We talked about, we've got to remember Lot's wife, that a, a linger, an empathy, and a sympathy towards sin can cause a longing, and that lingering turned into a longing, and Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt. Let it not be said of us, of our generation, that there is a lingering that can't trust God enough, that he's the same God who did miracles then. He can do miracles now. As dark as the days and the times may seem, we serve a miracle-working God, amen? That he is still moving, he is still doing, and he wants to partner with us to go in and redeem the world. So as we kind of enter into, we've looked at the problem. We've looked at the issues of our culture and of our day. We've looked at agendas and where these agendas are funded, um, how these things happen. How do we get to where we're at in 2023? This is what we've looked at. And today I wanna give us some solutions, some hope of how we move to have dominion over the very things that we're set free of. As we look at Israel, of when they went from the wilderness to the promised land, you would see that God set them free from Pharaoh, delivered them from their enemy. That's one deliverance. But then we see a second deliverance, that then God delivers the enemies in the promised land, the Philistines, to their feet. So he delivers us from something, but then to walk in dominion, he then takes that which he delivers us and delivers the enemy in front of us and says, now you're to have dominion over it. Because here's the truth. You can never walk in dominion if there's nothing to have dominion over. So many of us were saying, I wanna walk in dominion, but you've never been delivered and you've never allowed the Lord to take that which he delivered on the inside to then take it and make it external and say, now I'm gonna teach you how to have dominion over that. And then you're gonna show your family you're gonna show the people in your sphere of influence of what a life of dominion and authority looks like. Jesus says himself that I saw Satan fall like lightning in the scriptures, and now I give you authority. 
He didn't say that I'm going to take away every adversary. I'm going to just magically make your uh, enemies disappear. But he then says, I'm now going to give you authority to exercise dominion over it. And this can be one of the most exciting parts, adventurous parts in your walk with God, when you experience freedom, and then the Lord delivers that which used to possess you, that which used to oppress you, that which used to demonically influence you, then you see now I have the power of Christ within me. I can walk in dominion over it, and I can send hell on the run. Don't you want to be a Christian that sends hell on the run? I don't want to be a Christian that just takes hell and absorbs hell. I want to go on the offensive and send hell on the run. So deliverance to dominion, we see this in the life of Joshua. And I want you to hear this today and and hear where I'm coming from. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. It says, you don't get what you are promised, you get what you fight for. You don't get what you are promised, you get what you fight for. Many times in the kingdom of God, yes, his promises are yes and amen, but you then get what you choose. The promise is there. Are you putting your hands on it? Are you grabbing it by the handlebars and saying, I'm going to now wrestle with God until I'm changed? This is what we see with Jacob, right? But with Joshua, this is what it says in Joshua 2.24. It says, truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, For indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. He also says in Joshua 6, verse 2, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands as kings and the mighty men of valor. So God delivered these kings, these lands, and put them at their feet for them to go now and take dominion. That they were delivered out of the wilderness for 40 years and now sent into the promised land. And what I want us to get to today, and what I want us to understand is this, is that when you experience deliverance, it is God working for you, but it's in dominion that God works through you, and then it's in discipline God is working in you. So this should be the normal, again, experience of a Christian, that when we're delivered, we then have to exercise dominion over the very thing that we've been delivered of. Kind of our, our scripture has been Galatians 5.16, right? That to walk in the spirit is not to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That a spirit people takes dominion over the things that want to lead you into sin, that want to energize you out of the will of God, where you have the Holy Spirit to say no, to put a stop to it, to have a right choice if we're being very practical, and not allowing our flesh to lead us off and lead us away from the purposes of God. You know, I I think of it this way. I think this will make sense to you. There are things God is calling you to conquer, and in those things God is calling you to conquer, you've learned to just justify it and almost make it a part of your identity, right? How many times do we take the things that God has called us to conquer and we just justify it? We make sense of it. We learn to just live with it because we've tried that. We've tried to be set free. We've tried to walk in freedom. We've done all the right things. And so we just settle thinking God's winking at it when in essence he's saying, no, you are more than a conqueror. 
you have what it takes. You've got to get your fight, and you've got to walk in dominion. So we see at the very worst side of things, and this is a part of deliverance that does not get talked about much. We've read Romans 1. We see the vileness that Paul speaks of in Romans 1, where homosexuality was being practiced. Many, uh, you know, picture Sodom and Gomorrah. Picture the West as Sodom and Gomorrah 2.0, as we've talked about. Is the scripture says, and this is what happens, when you continually provoke God, when you continually turn your back on God, when you continually walk in disobedience and rebellion towards God, God says, you can read it for word in Roman, word for word in Romans 1, he will deliver you over to those passions, over to those vile passions. So if you want to see why in the world what is happening in our country today is because there are people groups, belief systems, where God has said, this is what you want. You are now delivered over to these vile passions. So we have a culture, we have a world, and really how God works is when they are delivered over to them, then they become tormented by them. But as we read in Timothy today, God is still working in the middle of it because you can only be tormented so long to either where you fall on your face before God in repentance and ask God to change you, or you stay captive by the captor. You see, walking in dominion is taking that which kept you captive and then taking that very thing captive now. Don't you want to take captive that which took you captive? This is how dominion works. And this is where freedom and authority can come alive in your life. Number two, I want you to see, the scripture says this in Joshua 1 verse 2. It says, Moses my servant is dead. This is a transition in the life of God's people. It says, now therefore arise, go over this Jordan and all this people to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. So here we see that their fearless leader who led them through the wilderness is dead. And now Joshua has to step up. And I want, to, I want you to see two things here. Many times when God begins to teach you about dominion, he begins to remove some crutches in your life. He begins to put you outside of your comfort zone where now you have to step up. You have to trust in your relationship with God. You can't trust or lean on Moses. On the other side of the coin as well is many times when God begins to deal with you, he removes people out of your life. He'll take the haters out. He'll take those who didn't believe in the future that God has for you because they kept trying to remind you of who you used to be. So God has a way of working on both sides, whatever he seems or deems fit for you. And many times we get stuck thinking that you have to have Moses in order to move forward. Or in other words, that if this person leaves out of my life, if this person quits in my business, if this person... Um, turns their back on me, then the God that's with me leaves with them. And God's trying to get our attention and saying, even if they leave, the God that's with you stays with you. It does not go with them. But they will do everything in their ability to get you to believe that I'm needed. You can't move forward without me. And they'll put this pressure on you to tolerate, not to love, 
but to tolerate. And so if you want to really walk in dominion, you've got to get okay with God sending people out the door as quick as he sends them in the door in your life. Some people are meant for short term. Some people are meant for long term. But you've got to trust God in the results of that. Many people get stuck when God sends a person out of their life. That's where they pitch their tent. That's where they never move forward. Think of it this way. An archer, when they pull that bow back, it first has to go back before it's propelled forward. This is what God does. This is how he works. When he begins to prepare you for dominion, you think of Gideon's army. Before God excelled Gideon in a conquest, he shrunk Gideon's army. But Gideon didn't shrink back in fear. He advanced forward in faith. So don't take the shrinking of the things of God in your life, whether he touched your money, whether he touched your family, whether he touched your relationships. Sometimes he's got to shrink you in order to excel you. And you've got to see that this is how God works, that your future is not connected to the naysayers, to the haters, but to the God who stays with you. Somebody say amen. Thirdly, this is a tough one at times. God removes blessings in order to get a breakthrough in your life. God ever touched a blessing in your life? But it's many times we rely on the blessings and then we forfeit the breakthrough that God has for us. You can think of it this way. God's people, that they relied on manna in the wilderness. But did you know that manna was never the end goal for what God's people were to feed on? God's people were called to milk and honey. Manna was just the process and the provision until they got to the milk and honey. Many of us stick on the process and think that this is what God intended all along, or we forget that he promised us more than enough. He promised us the milk and honey, and we stay on the manna. Look what the scripture says. It says in Joshua 5, 12, it says, Then the manna ceased, stopped, on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan, that year. I want to challenge you today not to trust solely on what God brought in a previous season. And I think this is the hardest part of when you transition in life or when God takes you into a new season or um, when God does something corporately like he's doing in our church. It can be easy to trust on what got you in a previous season, but God is saying that thing that got you there can no longer get you over here. And the manna has to stay there, and you've got to get your vision on the milk and honey. Amen? So I don't want us to be a church, again, that settles for the manna because it fits, it works, you get it in the day, you get it in the evening, it comes fresh the next morning. But for the milk and honey, as we read in our first scripture, God gave them occupation to the land or God gave them the land, but they could only take hold of that which they were willing to occupy. So God's blessing is there for you, but what are you willing to go in and occupy? What giants are you willing to slay? This is the story of God's people. This is our story. And I think it's good to be reminded of this. 
of how God works, of how he does. That we can see dark days, we can see huge giants and get discouraged, get depressed. How are we gonna overcome this doctor's report, this sickness, this generational thing? But understand that whatever God's vision is, he will give provision to get there, but don't just trust in the provision of the previous season. He took away the blessing to give them a breakthrough when they entered in. God doesn't give just enough. He always gives more than enough. We see in Psalms 23, we all know it, that God doesn't just bring us to the valley. He brings us through the valley. That God's heart is for us to be in the overflow of who he is. I've come to find it's when I start getting on fumes um, is when I have nothing to give or I, I give out of my strength. But when you're giving out of the overflow, that's when blessing comes, that's when lives are touched, that's when your children are blessed, your marriage is blessed. And you, what, what I've, I've come to find as well, and kind of two stories that run parallel with the promised land, with um, Joshua, is the story of um, Rahab the prostitute and Achan the soldier. Rahab the prostitute had a job in going into the wilderness or going into the promised land was to, or was to hide the two spies. And we know in her hiding the two spies, even in her, her lifestyle, even what she did, she obeyed the Lord and she hid the two spies. And what we see in her hiding the two spies and then we parallel Achan who also hid something. So Rahab hid the spies, did what was asked of her. And Achan hid something else, but didn't do what was asked of him. The scripture says that Achan who took the spoils, who took the fine things, who took, the scripture says, the forbidden things, hid these things. That which Rahab hid was the very thing that brought her and her family salvation, but the very thing that Achan hid brought his destruction and his damnation. My question to you is, what are you hiding? Because we're all hiding something. And that which we hide, the scripture says in Joshua 3, 5, Again, that sanctify yourself today. Joshua says to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Many times we think if we do the work today, we'll be blessed tonight, right? We have the, the quick mentality of how God works. But what you hide today determines what happens tomorrow, what happens in the future, the seeds you plant for today. Whether you know it or not, you're planting seeds today. And those seeds are gonna reap a harvest. And that which we hide is important. Are we hiding the word of the Lord? Are we hiding the scriptures? Are we hiding a secret place with God? Or are we over here hiding the secret sins? Are we hiding behind a filtered life? Do we disguise who we really are? Do we manipulate? All the things we see of how you climb over people to get something you want and manipulate those people. And this leads us into our next point. You cannot conquer if you are not consecrated. Consecration was the key to the conquering of God's people. And when they stepped into the promised land, the standard went up. The standard went up. Aren't you thankful that you serve a God who believes the best in you to raise the bar? He just doesn't raise the bar for your life to make you angry, grumpy, and hangry. He raises the bar because he wants more for you 
He wants God's best for you. And we live in a culture society that keeps the bar so low that you're perfect just like you are. No, you're not. I'm not. I need Christ. We've got to be born again. So the bar is raised when you go into the promised land. Are you willing to take the challenge of the bar being raised? This is what we have to ask ourselves. Think of it this way. Today's sanctification is tomorrow's miracle. Today's compromise on the other side is tomorrow's scandal. Today's flirtation is tomorrow's affair. Today's fasting is tomorrow's acceleration. And today's repentance can be tomorrow's revival. This is how God works. So he says, you got to consecrate yourself or sanctify yourself before you go into enemy territory. If you want to walk with dominion, you cannot conquer until you've been cut. The cutting away of the, the foreskin, the scripture would speak of. Not literally, but spiritually speaking, you have to be cut from the ways of this world. You have to be cut from a life dominated by sin or a life dominated by fear. And then in walking in dominion, it does not mean you do it perfect, but guess what you do do is you fight against it, you war against it, you walk in it, and you don't give up. So you've got to consecrate yourself. And quite frankly, I think we undermine this. We just want to have a good idea or think what God is doing and walk into it, never consecrating it or inquiring of the Lord if this is what he has for us or if this is what he's calling us to do. Consecration isn't fun. It does not tickle your ears. It does not stroke your flesh. But it is a cutting away to say, I am setting myself aside for God's purpose in my life. And my challenge to you today is, if you want to be all that God has called you to be, it never comes without consecration. It never comes without sanctifying yourself. Because if you don't, that sin will catch you tomorrow. But if you do, blessing will follow in your life. We want what happens in private to be what goes on in public. We read this this morning, 2 Timothy 2, verse 20. Let's read it again. It says, but in a great house. Anybody want a great house? You want a great home? You want a great church? Look what is required. It says, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor, some for dishonor. But here's the hope. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, so this, the scripture tells us that if you're willing to walk the hard road of cleansing yourself, of submitting and sanctifying yourself under the hand of the Lord, then you will be saved from the latter. But the work of consecration is saying, you know what? I might not know what I'm doing. I might not fully understand it, but I wanna live a life that is being cleansed by the spirit, that is walking in the spirit not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. It says, then you'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. I believe many of us think we're prepared when we head into something that are met with being um, all torn up. We're tormented because we never took the time to cleanse ourselves, to sanctify ourselves, to set ourselves apart and be filled 
with the life and the purpose of God in what season he has ahead for you. You've got to practice crucifying your cravings and you will walk in a life of dominion over that which the flesh, that which your emotions, that which your anxiety, that which your insecurities want to keep you bound. Again, the spirit of God is your bondage breaker. You've got to spend time with him. You've got to hide away with him so you can have victory and success. Lastly, and Bree and Seth, if you would help me close. When we were speaking, I think it was four weeks ago, um, Lenita, she was uh, taking a walk with a friend and uh, she picked up this gemstone and we were talking about how um, the scripture in Malachi where he will take your heart of stone and put a heart of flesh in you. She's like, I was walking and a shimmering of light on my Sunday afternoon walk and I saw this gemstone. She was walking down by the creek or something and it caught her attention and she said she just began to kind of break down and cry. Don't you love when God confirms the word when you leave here? It happens all the time. Um, and so she picked this up and she brought this back to me and said, this is just exactly what God was doing with me and reminding me of. And, um, but there's this powerful passage of scripture in this story of God's people walking into their promised land of letting go of the manna and going after the milk and honey, of understanding the power of consecration, of knowing that God's gonna remove certain people certain crutches, certain naysayers and, and haters out of your life when he begins to teach you dominion. But we see that the Lord says this in Joshua 4, 7. He says, then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. You see, God's people did not have a faith problem. They had a memory problem. You and I, we don't have a faith problem. I'm confident we're strong in our faith. Or if we're not, we can get confident in our faith. But where we usually fail is in we forget. This is why we take communion. This is why the central seat and summit of our faith is gathering around the body of, of Christ. This is why Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Because he knows how forgetful we are. He knows we have a memory problem. So the priest, it says, as you read into it, the leaders would go and they begin collecting these stones and they begin stacking them as a memorial to what God had done. And it says that they went into the lowest part of Jordan. And sometimes in order to really remember how God sets you free and how he's teaching you to live free, is you've got to go into the lowest part of your life the lowest part of your testimony and say, I'm gonna get a stone from there and make sure it stays right up here so I don't forget how good my God is, that he is the same God. If he did it then, he can do it now. Amen? Our last point. You've gotta build memorial stones to what God did, not monuments to what he didn't do. You've got to build memorial stones to what God did, not monuments to what God didn't do. 
I believe even as I share this, you're already thinking of things of how God didn't move for you or a word was given to you and it, it didn't come to pass. And without knowing it, subconsciously, you made a monument to say, now this is a reminder of how God didn't move for me. Such and such died of cancer. I now have cancer. I'm going to die of it. This is what that sounds like. We begin taking what happened in the past and saying, now this is part of my story and what happened to them is gonna happen to me. Again, every miracle in your life has a seed for the next miracle. I'm standing here today where I've seen God's miracle in this church in those seeds from the beginning with Pastor Joyce, all the years and many of the miracles that have happened here with so many of you, I can remember from being a kid seeing these seeds that would be planted into me without ever realizing it. And as we look to the future as a church, it's not just blindly looking saying, God, how are you gonna do it? I'm telling you, there are stones planted all along the way. If God did it then, he can do it again. He is doing it. It's not up to some random faith or some random chance, but God has done it all through the years. And when you have the memorial to look back, you'll have faith for the miracle of what God has ahead for you. And hear this, here's the pastoral rebuke in me, is you can't get enough prophets, prophetic words, these words of encouragement, to massage the insecurities, to massage the weakness in you, to just throw a Band-Aid over it. Sometimes when we're feeling down and we're feeling out, we wanna hear something that will make us feel better other than hear the truth that will set us free to walk in dominion. So if you're looking for a memorial stone, don't go to the shallow friends or the shallow parts of the Jordan and get a word that will make you feel good and, and put a little sugar over it, but go to the word that will give you deliverance to say, this is what you need to crucify. And as you crucify, you will find victory in your life and in your family. If you stand with me, I wanna pray for you. You know, I think of David. You've heard it. He didn't conquer Goliath without other victories along the way. He had to kill the lion. He had to kill the bear. And many a times when we stand before Goliath, we, we want to think that, okay, hold on a second, Goliath. Let me go over here and just worship for a minute and get encouraged by the Lord. When many a times when we're staring at Goliath, we'll think God is silent. But God is looking back and saying, I've already prepared you with the bear and with the lion. You have dominion over the Goliaths in your life. Stop looking for your brother. Stop looking for your sister. Stop looking for some family member to encourage you. Stop looking for something and someone else. I've already done it. Stand and throw that stone and watch what I can do through you. This is how he does, I'm telling you. So we've got to remember the stones. We've got to remember his faithfulness. And I'm telling you today, whatever Goliath you are facing, whatever circumstance seems too big, too tall, you don't know what to do. He's delivered you. He's now going to deliver Goliath in front of you. 
but that which you've hid, that which you've consecrated, Moses is gone, your crutch is gone, your safety net is gone, you're going after the milk and honey, don't trust in the manna anymore, you will be led and you will walk with God into a place where you know he brought you there, there's stones lined all back behind you, and this is where you get your faith, this is where you get your strength. If you bow your head, let's inquire of the Lord and we're gonna worship. Father, we thank you today for your presence, for your strength. We thank you that you've overcome darkness, that in you there is no darkness, only light. We ask that the light of your Holy Spirit shine so bright upon us that we know of your faithfulness, that if you did it then, you can do it again. Father, we thank you for the stones that are lined for this vision, for this house, for the stones that as families in this church look back where they remember your faithfulness. God, that they're littered with seeds for future miracles, that they go and pull on that, that they go and are reminded of that. Father, as we worship, I pray that you break strongholds of fear, you break strongholds of God can't do it because he didn't do it with such and such. God, we wanna approach you right here, right now, before we partake of Holy Communion, repentive of our sin, saying we wanna be a consecrated church. We are not a flaky people. We are not a sissy people. We have backbone. Our hands are prepared for war. We are confident. We are courageous. We are ready for the conquest that you have for us. We thank you, Lord, for giving us this strength. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, act like men. God, let the men of God in this place step up and rise up to the conquest you have for them. That slothfulness, laziness, defeat not be our story, but Christ in us is our hope and is our glory today. We love you, Lord, and we proclaim that you are the same God. Build our faith and strengthen us for the battles that lie ahead. In Jesus' name. Your faithfulness.
Jesus is our faithful one. He's the one without him. There is no dominion. There is no deliverance. You'll see the ascended Christ behind me. And as Jesus ascended, as we're in this sweet season of Pentecost and of the Holy Spirit, thank you, Jesus, for his ascension. 
and then his descension as he's deployed the spirit of God into our lives. You take the body, it says his body was broken for you to do this in remembrance of him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. As we take of the cup, we thank you that the blood of Jesus, this covenant we have with you, this consecration to say, your way, not my way. Your will be done, not my will. We submit the cravings, the appetites of the flesh to the blood of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that this is the greatest memorial we will ever be given is Jesus, the savior of our souls, that he is the one who teaches us, who gives us his spirit today. I pray as we partake of his blood, Father, that we be reminded of the spirit-filled destiny that's upon our life. To not live this life for ourselves, our own pleasures, our own ways, but that it be prioritized correctly where God be first and then out of everything else we trust for our provision, for our needs and for our wants. We thank you, Lord, as we lift the cup today that we are in covenant with you. We are a covenant people. We are a blood-bought people. God, we have everything that we have need of found in your body and in your blood. We do this in remembrance of you this morning. In Jesus' name. As our ushers come, we'll prepare to give. There's different ways you can give. You can be seated for just a moment if you need to be, and we'll pray for you, we'll bless you. Couple announcements. We have um, another baptism around the corner, July 30th. If you would love to be baptized, please. Uh, scan that QR on the seat back. There should be a form for you to fill out and uh, we'll be sure to get you signed up and ready for baptism. Um, also, we've put out uh, an email and several of you have responded, but we are hiring um, for children's ministry, specifically GPC Kids Juniors. Um, we are uh, uh, compensating $60 from 930 to 12 us whenever I decide to just stop preaching. Um, but we need um, the help and we want to get some staff in place where we can rely on some core people and God has um, made a way where we can uh, provide some compensation. So we're trying to do it just starting with the summer. Um, but if you are interested in that, please email me or call me, uh, text me, and uh, I can share some more details with you. Um, but Tracy and Sarah, who are doing such a wonderful job, um, they swap back and forth in our uh, GPC kids. They're going through the Superbook curriculum. The kids are being taught and discipled, and um, amazing to see how God is using those teachings and our leaders to just touch and change lives. And understand that I think it's amazing, again, when you look at it, that in 1984 is when this church started. 
when it was incorporated officially. And 2024 will be 40 years. And I believe we're going to be um, definitely in the breaking ground process of our new facility, of our new church sanctuary, or hopefully at the end moving in, depending on how quickly things move. Um, but I think it's so significant that this is a wilderness to promised land time in our church, not just because there's a building or some provision, but because of the lives that are associated with it. I believe we're going to see and take new ground spiritually, mentally, physically, socially, financially, all the things that, you know, we believe God is blessing and has always had for us. Um, so this is an important time to be engaged with what God is doing in you personally, and then just engage with the house. But there are wonderful days ahead, and we're so thankful to link arms and to do it together. Let's pray over our giving. Father, we thank you today that you are the provider, that we trust you in the days, in the present, in the days ahead. You hold the future of this house, this ministry of Zion Christian Academy. God, we thank you for all that you've done to this point, the stones, the memorial stones, and the ones that are to come. God, I pray you bless your people that they begin to walk in dominion, that they begin to conquer that which once conquered them, to teach other people how to conquer it, to walk in freedom. We love you, Lord. We thank you. It's a joy to give in your house. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank you for some overtime today. But no, I don't repeat myself when I preach. I try to... Um, Make sure that you just don't hear the same, th same thing three times over again. But when we go longer, it's for a reason that you're, we're going somewhere. These are strategic times. And if you need a church that gets out 15 minutes early, I can recommend five other ones, okay? Um, but know that this isn't playtime for me. This is something that is very serious, very holy, and very sacred. And... Um, know that this has an, an eternal implications to what the Lord is doing. And he's building a team. He's building a people. Like I said with Gideon, he shrunk Gideon back before there was a conquest and a victory forward. And I believe what God has always intended for this house, this is the season, this is the hour, this is the time. And we're doing it together. Um, my heart is to see as many people come along with us in this thing. Uh, but there's wonderful days ahead. So if you stand, we'll bless you. And then you got to go walk in dominion this week. Amen. Lift your hands. Father, we thank you today for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. God, that you've met us today. Um, as we're praying, there's a connect card I forgot to mention. Fill that out. See on trail in the back. She's got a gift for you. But Lord, we thank you today that you're with us, you're for us, you're not against us. Bless your people as we walk in dominion. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer request to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.